Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining our very first episode of IBC Topics. This has been several months in the making, um, basically trying to launch this new podcast series. Um, to give you guys just a brief introduction, it really started, the idea of all this really started in early 2019 um, with just a simple idea that somehow um, we thought it might be a good idea to kind of archive members' testimonies. And from there, the idea just evolved and morphed into what we're really excited to present to you starting today. Um, this will be a monthly podcast with each episode featuring a member of our church or a friend of our church. And they will all be either FaceTime, Google Chat, or uh, Skype interviews that basically features their testimonies and also tackles various topics that involves uh, the church or Christian living and just many other good stuff for us. So with that, I'd like to introduce our very first guest, who's also the elder overseeing this whole ministry, George Park. Welcome to the show, G. Hey, thank you very much for having me. You know, just going back, um, I'm not sure how many people um, that are listening know, but um, I mean, I've known you now for pretty close to 25 years, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's um, a long time. Yeah, and... You know, I have to say, um, one of the most um, important times in my life was during college. Um, you had such a great impact on my life, and I just, um, I truly just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, I think that was a moment when, um, you know, things were kind of going up and down for me, and just having a leader, uh, a spiritual leader, um, being so stable, and just uh, for me to be able to see that, you know, day in and day out. I just really, really appreciate that. And it had a tremendous effect on my life and just the way I think. Um, I mean, truly, I mean, I know there's so many things that I need to work on, but it just helped me just to have a really good footing. And I just, I really appreciate that, G. Well, I mean, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm very honored that uh, we, we had an impact, myself, Gary, and just so many other college people. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I remember we used to uh, pray for you and, uh, you know, we were concerned for your life, brother. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, you know, we, we, all of us were, you know, we, we were never perfect. So we just sometimes need some people to kind of walk us, uh, walk with us. And, you know, David Che, I'm sure, was a huge influence on your life as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so with that, I mean, how we like to uh, start off every episode, um, as we had mentioned in the intro, uh, we would just love to just hear your testimony, um, just how it's basically how you came to faith and the people that have impacted your life, um, the heroes of your faith. So, yeah, if you could just take the next couple of minutes sharing your testimony with us. Sure, sure. Um, well, basically, I grew up going to church ever since I could really remember. Um, when I was, you know, much younger, like elementary school, it was more of we went to church on the big holidays, you know, Easter, Christmas. And I don't really remember my parents being that strict or disciplined about going to church every Sunday. But, you know, right around, um, I would say, probably late late elementary school and early junior high school, I went to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got introduced to the church because of a baseball one, you know, we all, all the kids, we lived in the same neighborhood, and and there was um, a church, Cardinal Valley Baptist Church, and they had a team, 
And one of the, one of my friends asked me to play for that team, and that's part of that is uh, how I grew to love baseball as well too. But that mm-hmm. team was sponsored by the church, and so I went to the church. And I don't remember if it was a requirement or anything like that, but I went. And through that, um, my my parents didn't go to church, but <laughs> uh, except for you know Easter and, and Christmas. Mm-hmm. But I went every Sunday because you know it was one of those. We think the church is good for our children, but not really. It's not for me type of thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, my mom actually saw the value of church, and I think th- th- she had the seeds of, you know, of faith, um, you know, way before became, she became a believer. And she uh, heard about Mount Hermon. There was a week-long conference that the church attended with, along with a bunch of other sister churches, and our our participation, our church, Gardena Valley, was so big. We used to like drive up two big busloads of, of kids during the summer, and um, I really didn't want to go. <laughs> you know, I I did not want to go. My my mom literally almost broke my arm to make me go. <laughs> and uh, the big reason why was because I was really terrified of camps because um, I was it was out of my element and such. But, you know, I went, um, and then, you know, I, I roomed with one guy, and I could distinctly remember the speaker. His name was Mike Slater, and he spoke on stretcher pairs of Mark chapter 2, and specifically mm-hmm. the story of how some friends tore a hole in the roof too late uh, to bring down one of oh, their yeah. friends who was paralyzed, right? Mm-hmm. And Christ heals him, and uh, his sermon that week was really just about caring for one another, um, but I, I believe it was like on a Wednesday sermon or maybe it was a Thursday morning sermon. I distinctly remember him saying that being a Christian is not going to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, that's when <laughs> I would go to church, Sundays and Wednesdays, right? And so he said it's about having a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's really the first time I really kind of heard something like that. And so... When I came back from the camp, it really kind of made change in my thinking, just how my outlook on things was differently. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and in some ways, I kind of ch- cleaned myself up. You know, I used to have a very bad mouth. I used to swear all the time, mm-hmm. you know, playing sports, whatever. Um, but through Mount Herman as well, it wasn't just the speaker, Mike Slater. I made some friends, mm-hmm. um, and particularly one friend from Orange County, um, who had a very, very um, committed family. Mom and dad were huge influences of his life. And he's the one that introduced me to Dr. John MacArthur, who kind of mm. has been my spiritual hero all my life. Mm. And uh, Dr. MacArthur, when I first started listening to him through the introduction of my friend, you know, he really cleaned up my theology. Mm. And part of it was, you know, there was a lot I didn't know. But the things that I did know, he kind of put the Bible test to it. And so I think that from that moment on, you know, I, I we started listening to all of his uh, cassette tapes because that's when, <laughs> back in the day, that's what <laughs> the summers were on, or cassette tapes, right? And so we would go down to Grace, and the cassettes were like a dollar twenty-five each. And mm-hmm. we would buy like 10 to 15, and we would just listen to them throughout the week. And it really kind of changed my thinking. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't really particularly remember a day that I had that said, well, that, that's when I became a believer. Mm-hmm. That is the day. 
But it was really a process of me changing my thinking over that. And, you know, some people say, oh, you know, testimonies are supposed to talk about your repentance or sin and stuff. And, you know, and, and I get that, but I don't really have that moment where I felt like I was the worst sinner in my life. Mm-hmm. I just remember just Dr. MacArthur, everything that I listened to, he just kept teaching the Word. And I, I was like, man, this is really good stuff. And mm-hmm. then around the 10th grade, that's when I read um, Gospel According to Jesus. That's when he first came out with it. Mm-hmm. And that book really changed my life. Um, mm-hmm. I think that if there's one book that I would really recommend to people in terms of salvation and just a true understanding of it, that was the book. And so through that, um, you know, I, I've i been a MacArthurite ever since then, you know. Um, and he's Dr. MacArthur has truly been one of my heroes of the faith. Mm-hmm. And so he's really, really impacted my life greatly. And I've only shook his hand like twice. Um, <laughs> but, and you know, I don't idolize him as, you know, someone that I, I worship. But mm-hmm. I really appreciate how much he loves the Lord. And yeah. Every time I hear about him, you know, um, in the pulpit, he comes off really strong. Mm-hmm. You know, really has firm opinions. But every time I hear about it, uh, about him from people who really know him talk about how gracious and loving he is. Mm. You know, that, to me, that's a, that's an incredible testimony. So, um, so that's like my testimony. I, I was never really a bad kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't like into drugs and all these things. And, you know, the Lord completely changed my life. I, you know, I stopped swearing and such like that, things like that, but there was not a huge life transformation externally. Mm-hmm. I can definitely tell you that inside, I started thinking differently. You know, I'm like, yeah. wow, this is incredible. So MacArthur would be my one of my big heroes. But I would say if I had um, a hero I've never met, it would be Jonathan Edwards. Oh, I, yeah. I, I remember reading um, just Mars, George Marsden's biography on him and how this guy was truly committed. And, you know, just his mm-hmm. resolutions that he wrote. and um, I mean, it just... It, truly inspiring how much he did, right? And, um, he, even, he even owned slaves, but, you know, the, the, in, in the book, it talks about how he treated his slaves with a great deal of love. And so they didn't see him as this tyrant owner, but just as almost a father figure in the, mm. in the household. So um, incredible testimony. Um, and so I would say those two guys really impacted my thinking. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um to segue, I guess, into our next question, our church I guess, it started in 1996, right? Somewhere around there, yeah. 1996. Um, and so you being one of the original members, along with some of the other guys, seeing from the inception till now, um, what are like two or three things that you've noticed that IBC does well? You know, I would say that, uh, I mean, num- number one, uh, you know, when we started this church, none of us had any clue of what we're doing. <laughs> none, right? We didn't, like, look uh, at uh, books or, you know, talk to people about how to plan a church or anything. And so I think our church's existence 22, 23 years later is really a testament of um, faithfulness. You know, it was just a bunch of guys. We were just going to be faithful to whatever we're going to do, and we're going to f- try to figure it out. A lot of trial and error. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, 
we're by God's grace, we're we're still around, and you know, I would even argue with some that we're actually thriving now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that if there was a couple or you know several things that our church does really well, number one, I think that we do Bible well. You know, mm-hmm. I think from the onset we have always been committed to the inerrancy of the Word, mm-hmm. and that um, if we run across something in Scripture that is different from what we believe, then we have to change our belief, right? We have to change our belief to match what Scripture says. And I think that that Mm -hmm. commitment has really helped us in our existence as well, too, because we have a stance, right? And that's a scriptural stance. Mm -hmm. And from there, you know, um, we give basically reasons for people, to people, why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes, you know, in the church, church growth movement, they'll just kind of do whatever brings people in. Well, we just, we'll just do stuff to be biblical in whatever Mm -hmm. we do. And and so I think we do Bible really well, number one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the other thing that we do is we emphasize grace a Mm -hmm. tremendous deal. I think that, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, uh, one of the biggest biggest uh, guys that was a participant in this but i would say that girl you know when i first came to faith or started listening to dr macarthur i would say i was uh, more of a legalist you know mm-hmm. and so um i know that the found one of the founding principles of our church um you know going back to my brother is he said we were always were on the side of grace right and so mm-hmm. we didn't want to put all these rules and and things that people have to do to be a part of our our fellowship, our membership, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we're lax in our standards, but, you know, if it's not a biblical thing, we're not going to make it a biblical thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We didn't want to impose rules or sanctions on people uh, for their sanctification or their holiness. That wasn't there, because I think a lot of times, um, I mean, there's there's good reasons, but I think we put on you know, standards that really isn't there. And uh, I think that that tends to, uh, to gain uh, a legalism and it creates a mindset where people can't think about their faith and they just have borrowed conviction. So I think those two things we do really well. We do Bible well and we do, uh, I think we emphasize a sense of uh, grace um, over legality in our church. Mm -hmm. So I guess then the the question to ask next is, you know, what do you see some areas that IBC can grow in? Um, you know, like a couple of things that you think that we lack and you would like to see us improve? <clears throat> yes. Um, I think one of the things, and we've talked about it amongst, uh, uh, you know, s- some of the, the leadership guys is, um, I think we do evangelism very poorly, oh, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes we look at what we do, you know, poorly and look, and, and tell tell others that, well, you know, a lot of other people do this poorly as well too, but um, mm-hmm. and that might be true, but I think that we need to get better at that because uh-huh. I think sometimes we can, a lot of us can honestly, you know, admit to our faults, but, it's almost like admission is all that is needed, right? But that's not. Mm-hmm. So we need to do a lot more. And I think, I think, I think currently we are starting to think about things and how to 
um, <clears throat> do, do things in this area. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it could be a part, a part of it is that a lot of, a lot of people uh, in our church are more kind of, kind of, kind of more inward, not meaning like uh, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> anything wrong with that, but they're more kind of not as outgoing, um, sure. mm-hmm. not as proactive. I mean, I mean, that's kind of like myself as well too. So, and I think to be an evangelist, you have to kind of go out there a little bit, you know, go, yeah, yeah. go pursue things. And um, I think that that's something that we, we do realize that we are, are lacking in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other area which kind of is related to evangelism is new, new visitor engagement. I think, mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of people that visit our church, but um, and not to the fault of anybody, we, we enjoy the comforts of the relationships that we have already. Mm-hmm. And so even though we set up a lot of time in between first session and equip hour and just during lunchtime, mm-hmm. I don't think that we engage the new visitors as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like it, it's yeah, like yeah. inviting somebody to your home and then saying, hey, here's the living room. Here's the couch. Please make yourself comfortable. <laughs> and then you go to a different room and you don't talk to them the whole time. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Uh-huh. And so... Um, I think we need to be a little bit more engaging and not just saying mm. hello. That, that's the start. But yeah, yeah. Um, So I, I guess they're kind of related in the sense of meeting new people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that we have to do uh, a lot better in, uh, going forward, hopefully. So practically, um, how do you think we can, what we can do to kind of solve that issue? I mean, do you have any, um, I don't know, like, just ideas on how we can tackle? I think that um, what we have to to really kind of uh, think about or encourage and be an example to mm-hmm. is that um, it's not about just meeting a person. In terms of new, new visitor engagement, mm-hmm. it's not about just saying hello. It's about mm-hmm. taking it much further and attaching yourself to that person. Mm-hmm. For example, if, you, if I were to meet somebody at the church on Sunday and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a married couple, first time visiting. Mm-hmm. Is, for me to not to just say hello, how, you know, how did you hear about our church? You know, uh, who invited you? What do you do for work? And say, hey, it was nice to meet you and then go somewhere else, right? But it's mm-hmm. kind of just sitting there with them and say, hey, you know what? You know, we have, um, mm-hmm. we, what we're, what we're going to have is we're going to have um, a meeting or we're going to, you know, be going here, would you like to come with us? Or if they don't have lunch at church on Sunday, say, hey, why don't you come with us at, you know, to lunch and, you know, just fellowship with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of making them really, you know, a yeah, welcome yeah. Mm-hmm. at the church. And I think that just that practice will be um, taken on to different, uh, different lengths. I know that, uh, you know, there are many different people at our church that are good at hospitality. Right, mm-hmm. they invite people over and, and such and such. Um, but if we could take this mentality to not just be one day mm-hmm. uh, out of the week or whatever, but just be active in the church and just kind of um, take it to even like unbelievers. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that if we, as we continue to emphasize the one another's in our church, I think in mm-hmm. recent times we've been trying to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think I think it'll I think it'll grow again. It, it's a work in progress, and 
Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely comes as examples from the leaders as well. Mm-hmm. If they don't see their leaders doing it, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. why would anybody want to do it, right? So it kind of speaks to me that I need to do that a lot more, too, because oh, you know, I'm kind yeah. of quiet and by myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> would you say that there are um, some kind of resources that are available to people? I mean, because I know what you mean by a lot of our church members were, um, I think, introverts. I, I think that's the word, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a good word. That a lot of us, um, you know, I, I don't know whether it's because if, if it's culturally or what it is, but a lot of us do kind of tend to keep to ourselves. Is there any resources on top of your head that, I don't know, kind of help us to address it? You know, I don't know of any, like, uh, particular resources. Mm-hmm. But I do know that um, just in the whole biblical counseling world, mm-hmm. um, instruments in the Redeemer's hands, mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of like a, a blueprint blueprint for change. And it starts off talking about, you know, how we need to change ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what we learn, we take uh, to others, right? Because the idea is the church is a hospital. You know, it's everyone... It, Everyone who goes to a church is sick people, and some people are sicker than others, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I would say if there's resources, it's a lot of these biblical counseling books and just talking about the one another's. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Jinn and Stuart Scott recently wrote a book about the one another's, and it just talks about how Scripture, New Testament, is just filled with interaction. So if we start with preaching first, that's great. Um, because scripturally, he talks about interaction. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Greatest commandment. And the second is like this, to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. If we start with scripture first and then maybe point them to a bunch of biblical counseling books and mm-hmm. encourage them to, um, um, well, encourage the membership to be actively involved in accountability, meaning small groups or discipleship, mm-hmm. and seek those out, um, I think little by little it'll change. But um, it's, it's also something that's going to take time too, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. But I, I would say instruments would be a great resource to read for that. Mm-hmm. But particularly to grow out of that introvert area, I don't really have anything particularly mm-hmm. for that, you know. Um, this is a totally separate question, but uh, one of the questions I think a lot of people have, you know, you're the older brother of Nam or senior pastor and kind of what is it like to kind of see you know your brother from you know because I, I think a lot of us know that he did have kind of a wild life kind of opposite Simple I life. guess yeah. <laughs> but um you know before he became a believer um but just you seeing his the change in his life and then you know being um a part of his ministry, what has the experience been like for you? Well, I have to say that, um, you know, um, the first time I, I found out he was a believer, right? Mm-hmm. I had come 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 home, and I think I was watching TV or something in the, in the living room or whatever it was. And so uh, my brother was at UCLA at the time. I mm-hmm. think it was like in his third year or, or senior year, whatever it was. Um, and my mother says to me, hey, so do you know what uh, retreat your brother is speaking at this week? <laughs> and so I sat there and, and um, you know, thinking in my mind, did my mom just 
did mom just say retreat? Now I'm speaking it? And I said, um, did you just ask me if, if Nam is speaking at a retreat this week? <laughs> and so she, she looks at me and goes, yeah, do you know what retreat she's working at? What retreat he's speaking at? And I said, is this a Christian retreat? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, a, the Christian retreat. Oh, I said, don't you have to be a Christian to speak at a Christian retreat? <laughs> and she goes, oh, I guess you didn't know. He accepted Christ about nine months ago. Oh, man. And I said, what? I go, what? How, how did I not know this, right? Uh-huh. I mean, my first thought after that was, what kind of retreat is this? They're, <laughs> they're asking a, a speaker who's just newly been converted nine months ago, right? But, uh-huh. you know, it's, it, that kind of sums up our relationship in our life uh-huh. growing up is we never really talked to each other. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, they have that book, you know, Love Languages or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our family grew up doing things for each other, and that's how we express love to each other. You know, mm-hmm. my mom, my dad, you know, they, they really appreciate Well, my mom was different. She would say stuff. But my dad would just do stuff for us. He would never say anything right. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm, um, so we never really spoke about stuff, but I was like, what? And so later on, I found out apparently he was like really involved with KCF and everything, and you know, he wanted to go into the ministry, and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? You know? <laughs> this knucklehead brother of mine is going to want to go into the ministry, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and so at first, it was very, very weird because mm-hmm. this was a very rebellious kid, very disobedient, you know, never listened to my parents, um, just always did his own thing. And even going to college, right, he just kind of he didn't really care about whatever um, and so for him to become a believer, there was a huge change, you know, um, growing up, he hated my parents. I mean, he couldn't stand them and wow. he blamed my parents for being, you know, you know, putting us in these financial straits, um, just the whole bankruptcy thing that my parents went through mm-hmm. and he hated them for it. Um, and he just never got along with them. Right. Mm-hmm. But after he became a believer, Again, he got saved in a ministry that was highly impacted by Dr. MacArthur. Mm-hmm. Um, he really made an effort to change. And mm-hmm. I could literally remember him coming home and just taking time to talk to my parents, you know, see how mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. He would sit in the living room. I mean, I remember coming home one time and I'm watching. I, I, I walk in the door and he's sitting on the couch talking to my parents. I'm like, you know, <laughs> What? <laughs> I mean, because he never did stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And and from that point, I would say he's he's really been good at just kind of caring for people. I mean, mm-hmm. my my aunt, she's the last living sibling of my my dad's family, and he's he takes care of her all the time. He talks to her all mm-hmm. the time. Drives down mm-hmm. to Gardena, takes care of any type of need that she has, um, and so mm-hmm. I think that the uh, the the impact of the gospel I saw in two family members, my brother first, right? How his life completely changed from being a rebellious guy to someone who really wanted to care for people. Mm-hmm. And my dad, you know, he hated mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. And yet once he became a believer, man, that guy completely changed the way he treated my mom, his temperament from being just an incredibly angry individual. And so getting over him being a believer was a big hump for me, right? Because I was just not used to it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember actually the first time I heard him speak was at a, a UCLA KCF event. I heard that he was going to be a speaker, so I, you know, I, I ended up going. And he was always dynamic, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of his presentation. His oratory mm-hmm. skills were very high. And I would say that, uh, you know, he was always very, very sharp. He was able to think on his feet really well. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that being a some type of speaker would be definitely uh, right up his occupation. Uh-huh. And so that's why my dad wanted him to become a, a lawyer, but it ended up that <laughs> he chose <laughs> the um, <clears throat> the path that didn't have a lot of uh, respect in my dad's eyes. Uh-huh. Um, and so... Once he actually, you know, became a youth pastor, mm-hmm. he kind of just slowly seeped in. I went to the same church that he was a youth pastor at. Uh-huh. Then he wanted to start this new church, right? Uh-huh. And so I went with him to support him. Um, and so through that, I had heard him speak a bunch of times. And so it wasn't a huge transition for me because I had already kind of gotten used to it. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's not weird in any sense. I just see it as, you know, he's he's my brother, and I try mm-hmm. to support him in whatever he does, right? Mm-hmm. And so, as long as he stays in 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 California, particularly <laughs> Los Angeles, yeah, <laughs> I'll support him in his ministry. You know, uh-huh. um, if he decides that he's going to go to I don't know Canada or you know wherever, right, Europe to be a pastor somewhere, <laughs> even the East Coast, I'm going to be like, hey, hey, good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> you know. Um, but I mean, I think that's something that my parents have always ingrained within uh, within us as well, too, when we were younger, is that, you know, you take care of your family when they grow up, right? Mm. And so when we first started this church, man, it wasn't just the success of the church that was a big concern. It was money. Where, where are we going to get the money to pay mm-hmm. for his salary, right? Because mm-hmm. um, at the time, he was, uh, you know, Kathy was pregnant. Yeah, the age of the, our church has always been the same age as Becca, so I guess she's like 22 or whatever it is. Now. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it was a really, really daunting, difficult time. But yet, you know, God's provision, right? And we, we, mm-hmm. we made it, and so we're able to kind of survive. So mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's not weird at all for him to be the pastor of the church I go to. Um, mm-hmm. It was weird very, very long time ago when he first became a believer, but yeah, it's a it's uh yeah i don't really think about it anymore now. i'm um i remember i can't remember exactly what year it was but i remember when uh pastor nam um was first diagnosed with with cancer yeah and uh i i, I still remember that day when just receiving that email it was so devastating i mean how yeah. how was it for you i mean yeah i mean if you could just take us through what you were thinking or you know how that kind of impacted you at that moment um you know i could remember that uh, thinking that um <clears throat> i remember someone once told me that i should prepare for the worst and hope for the best mm-hmm. and so i was hoping for the best that the lord would cure him of this cancer but i also kind of started thinking mentally in my mind to prepare for the worst right mm-hmm. And so uh, Michael was just literally born. I think he was like maybe five, six months old. And so I started formulating scenarios in my head and saying, well, how can I help out Kathy and the the kids if my brother did pass away, right? Mm -hmm. Because, 
you know, my brother wasn't going to leave anything. <laughs> he didn't have anything to leave, uh-huh. right? And so it's not like he had a life insurance policy or anything like that. And so I remember my first reaction was, what's going to happen when, you know, <clears throat> um, if he passes away? And mm-hmm. so I remember thinking, I have to be ready to just help out in whatever way I can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, n- never in that whole time did I actually – was I actually angry at God saying, you know, how could you do this, Lord? He has four mm-hmm. kids, two really little ones. Um, it was just one of those. I, I just distinctly remember saying, we just have to do what we have, what we can, you know, mm-hmm. whatever we need to. Um, you know, Kathy's parents were alive, you know. I just started thinking about all these scenarios. My aunt was still alive. My aunt and uncle was still alive, right? And mm-hmm. so um, whatever it took, for us to get through it, we were going to do it, um, and it was a it was a very uncertain time. You know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. um, even when we talked to the, well, I didn't talk to certain, but when when I heard the information, it's like it was a very risky procedure. Anytime you you know operate, right? It's a yeah. risky procedure, um, and they said that you know they were going to cut out a third of the river uh, of the liver, but they didn't know what was going to happen. And so we prayed a lot. A lot mm-hmm. of people were supportive in that time. But, you know, it was one of those where, um, you know, hope for the best, but, it, you know, prepare for the worst, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, I, it was not as, yeah, it, it was a very daunting time because um, it was always kind of unhealthy. and this, We almost mm-hmm. thought of it as a, a culmination of that, so. We didn't even think about, you know, like what's going to happen to the church if he passes away or anything like that. It was just mm-hmm. basically what's going to, what am I going to, what can I do to help out the family? And, yeah. you know, I had some, I had some plans. And so the Lord was gracious, you know, he's been cancer free yeah. for how many years now? I know. Yeah. Um, and so the Lord brought us through that too, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, I, when, now that I think about it, you know, the Lord has brought us through a lot of stuff in our church life. Yeah. You know, starting the church, my brother having cancer, um, just the impact of my mother passing away 16 years ago, um, just just a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, it, I just remember just always kind of thinking, what can what do I, what do I need to do um, if my brother passes away? So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, I I still remember that moment too. I just, my my heart just fell to the floor, and I, I just remember just praying and praying, and yeah, I definitely the Lord has been so gracious and so good to us over the years. Yes, yes. Um, with that, I mean, is there any words of encouragement that you got that you could give to our church to the people that are listening? Just um, just anything that you can share right now that could just really, um, you know, if someone is listening to this and they're struggling or or if they're even doing really well, um, just something that you could share with them just to kind of, um, you know, help them focus sure. and to you know, find encouragement. Sure. Um, I think one of the first and foremost things is uh, learn, learn to forgive. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've heard this from, um, you know, more than, you know, one or two people and just a lot of sermons. And it just talks about how we are never more like Christ than when we forgive, mm. you know? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and to truly forgive. And that doesn't mean that you forgive and forget. The idea is that you don't hold it against them, right? And so mm-hmm. um, it kind of leads to what I would say my second point is, I think that this is something that I recently sort of learned, mm-hmm. and it's to ask people to give honest feedback about my life, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of times we don't do it necessarily out of malice, but, you know, we don't want to hear critical things about our lives. And we, yeah. we tend to avoid it. Mm-hmm. But I think that just listening some, to some things, uh, some people, um, I see I see really godly people being really humble people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've learned that just some of these really godly people always ask for feedback. You know, they, they want to be... Mm-hmm. They want to have people to keep them in check to see if there are certain sins that um, they're practicing that they aren't really, you know, trying to address. And, and I think that's what accountability does, right? It just mm-hmm. um, it gives you that loving, honest feedback that helps you to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that my last thing would be is, you know, exercise the one another's. You know, mm-hmm. again, I think. We, we kind of talked about it earlier, but just to really kind of look out for each other, mm-hmm. um, try to be thoughtful about things. Uh, a simple example is, um, I mean, fairly recently, right? Roger's mother passed away in December. Mm-hmm. And I can remember from my own example of my, when my mother passed away on May 29, 2003. You know, the first couple of weeks, man, I mean, I could not count all the emails and messages mm-hmm. that I got just, you know, telling me that, you know, they, 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 you know, they feel for me, they're praying for me, you know, mm-hmm. whatever I need just to reach out to them. But like three months passed away, you know, go by, four months goes by and I don't hear anything from people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a lot of people would actually come up to me at the church and they would ask me, Hey, how's your dad doing? Mm-hmm. You know? And what I said was, oh, yeah, I mean, it's hard for him. You know, he's still trying to get through it. But in my mind, I'm thinking, how come you don't ask me how I'm doing? Mm. I'm standing right in front of you, right? Uh-huh. And so it's, I don't think it's people are malicious in that sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's really helpful if we're thoughtful about things, you know, just kind of mm-hmm. following up with people about things. If people say, hey, can you pray for me? And we actually pray for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they follow up with that. Mm-hmm. If um, if we remember somebody passing away or having a big event, you know, mm-hmm. maybe even writing it down and then just following up with him in the future, mm-hmm. just just finding ways to be thoughtful in essence, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, and I would say my last thing is it's never too late, meaning mm-hmm. it's never too late to grow in your spiritual disciplines or your mm-hmm. affections for the Lord. Um, I've known people who've been professing believers for a long time and they just never felt like their disciplines were that good mm-hmm. and you know you get together with them and you encourage them and you see their life being excited you know and to me that is that is fuel for my own faith you know when I see that mm-hmm. so um, it's never too late whatever thing that you're involved in or maybe you're struggling with sin you know realize that our church is here to to, to walk with you Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
Um, don't ever feel like you need to hide something. I mean, come talk to us, right? We'd be more than glad to set up times to just sit with you and, you know, just talk with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say, you know, forgiveness, honest feedback, one another's, and trying to be thoughtful, um, mm-hmm. you know, how, how to serve people. I would say those are some of the things that I would encourage people to do. Mm. Yeah. Um, looks like um, our time is up, but I just want to just take this time just to thank you again so much uh, for being a part of this, um, for overseeing all this whole podcasting thing too. And just thank you so much for the, your ministry over the years, uh, not just to me, but of course the church. And we're just so thankful. Um, so we thank you so much, G, for coming out. Oh, yeah. I'm more than glad to do it. Thanks for putting this together, Gabe. Oh, no. It's truly my pleasure. And so with that, um, that concludes our episode uh, for today. We just thank you guys for listening. And so until next time, catch you guys later. Thanks, guys.